Hey everybody, welcome to Signals from the Frontline, every Wednesday live cast brought to you here on Twitch at FrontlineGaming.org where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies all the days of the week. One day, maybe on episode 1000, I will change that opening. No. You nah. tried to, but then you got scared and you went back into it. It's so ingrained into tell. my mind right now, like yeah. I could like do that in my sleep. You probably do. I, I probably do. I probably <laughs> do. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for episode 690 of Signals from the Frontline, where I, your host, Reese, and co-host, Frankie, talk about all things Games Workshop hobby-related, and we often tell bad jokes and go on tangents. They're not bad jokes. They're not the best. They're not great jokes. Man, speaking of really funny, uh, I have a house guest right now. He was like, you have to watch the, I think it was Andrew Yang stand-up special on, um, um, it's on Amazon. It is crazy funny. He's one of the guys from uh, Silicon Valley. Oh, okay. I was dying. It's super duper funny for anybody (laughs) that's that's interested. Check it out. Oh, well, whatever. Andrew, yeah, that's right. Andrew Yang is, maybe I think it was also another Anthony Yang. I don't know, whatever. You'll know when you see it. It was super duper funny. Um, Definitely recommend it. Uh, to everybody in chat, thank you for joining us, and thank you for giving me kudos on my Ash Militarum article. Um, last edition, Frankie and I wrote, I think, all of them. I think there were like maybe two that we didn't write. But. And by we, I mean me, and I put Frankie's name on a. <laughs> nah, I wrote a, I wrote a chunk of them. <laughs> and this time, um, we the GW decided to spread the love a little bit. Which I, I think is a good idea. It gives some other perspectives. Yeah. And um, But thank you. I'm, I'm glad everybody enjoyed my article. So let's jump on in and talk about what's new in the last seven days of the Games Workshop hobby. First of all, Ooh. this edition, this week's pre-order is the limited edition Luminous Realm Lords Army Box. Uh, this is a once and done release. You won't be able to get them once they run out. Although, uh, according to my... Uh, our information, they have quite a few of them. And we have quite a few of them, or not actually, we only have a handful of them left, excuse me, uh, after the pre-order. So if you still wanted to get one, you can. We are offering it at a discount with free shipping within the continental United States. So jump in. I think we have like nine left or something like that. So if you didn't want to grab one, please do. And remember, it's a limited edition. Once it's gone, it is gone. Forever. Also, we got what you want, those hot new 44 by 60 FLG mat sizes are in stock. Additionally, we also restocked on some of the sizes we were out of, including 3x3s, 4x4s, 6x3s, 30x22s, on and on it goes. So if you wanted to pick one up, if you were waiting for one of those sizes that we've been out of, uh, the Rona had messed up our supply lines, but we're restocked, ready to rock. And we're also coming out with a 44x30-inch combat patrol size mat by popular demand. A lot of people had asked for those. Those would be on the way. I think we'll have them in August. Yeah, I think so. We also are coming out with a conversion kit. So there's some, um, some basically some strips, strips of neoprene that you can lay on a, a four by six and convert it into a 44 by 60 or a three by six so that you don't have to modify your existing mat or buy a new mat if you don't want to. Uh, so thank you to everybody for the suggestions on that and to Frankie for figuring out how to do it. So we will have those also available in August. And it is, it's still really funny, the controversy over this. Because if you don't want to do it, just play on a 4x6. Yeah, just don't do it. 
Yeah. Nobody's forcing it. Nobody. Or you can even just go get some felt and cut the felt out and lay it on the mat to convert it. Yeah. Although some people were like, oh, make a conversion kits out of MDF. I was like, that would break instantaneously. It would just be so heavy too. Yeah. The neoprene just makes more sense. So. Yeah. So yeah, we will have those available. They will be reasonably priced and you can lay it onto an existing mat and convert it into a different size mat. Ooh. Easy peasy. But talking about mats, as much as it is near and dear to our hearts, is not what you come here for. Or is it? Is it? Maybe you're just mat fanatics like Frankie and I. Just, <laughs> We're not mat fanatics either. It's just what we do for a living. <laughs> a big part of it. They're mat hatters. They are really cool though. Um, oh, I guess also we will soon be able to do the um, objective markers too. Yep. We have them. We just have been too busy to actually like roll it out. So keep your eye open for that. If anybody wants to make custom ones for your store, um, your club or whatever, we can help you out with that. Yeah. You know, once we get caught up. So let's talk about what has been revealed for ninth edition 40K, the hot topic. Ooh, I like that store. I did too. I didn't really ever buy anything. <laughs> no, from me it, But I like to go in when I was a kid. Yeah. Because it looked cool. I always got super nervous when I walked in though. Like, I'm not cool enough to be This is weird. <laughs> yeah, um, I did would get band shirts there. That was the only thing I would ever get. But uh, let's talk about what is new in Ninth Edition 40K since uh, in the last seven days we've gotten a deluge of information. So why don't we talk about some of this cool stuff, this slow drip drip of information that we're getting and that is kind of shaping the way we're looking at Ninth Edition. So the latest information that was in uh, uh, the article I wrote about Ashmilitarum uh, this is a big, this is a very big change. This is in regards to the way morale works in ninth edition. It's very different than the way it, it used to work. So in eighth edition, you added up the number of casualties, you roll the dice, added it together. Anything above that you took in casualties compared to your leadership. The way it ended up working in practice is that you, it was like all or nothing. You either you had a, some mechanic to completely ignore it, which most people did. Or it would wipe a unit. Right? Like that was basically how it worked. Yeah. Because of the math on it, if it was enough to be meaningful, it was enough to just destroy you or you just ignored it somehow. So the new morale system is very, very different. Um, it, it's not radically different, but it, it's going to impact your game much more frequently. You're going to be taking morale casualties much, much more often. Um, and this is going to reinforce the idea that ninth edition, in my opinion, is the MSU edition. And what that means if you're new, MSU is an acronym that means many small units. Um, and I, I think you're going to be seeing over and over again this being reinforced. So uh, the way it works is in this edition, if you take casualties, you roll a die, you add the number of models destroyed plus a D6, compare it to your leadership, a one always succeeds. If you roll over your leadership, now you tr trigger combat attrition. So that's the same as it was. But the way combat attrition works... And one model flees. Well, yeah, thank you. So automatically, no matter what, one model flees if you fail to check, right? That's worse for elite units, right, than it was. Right? There's not any avoiding it. So then the way it works after that is that you roll a D6 for every model in the unit, and um, on a one... A model runs away if you're under half strength on a one or two, a model runs away. So it's pretty punishing. And the way it works out is for bigger units that don't have a way to ignore morale and um, a lot of things are changing in that regard. You're always taking, you're, you're almost always taking casualties. 
Yeah. And what it means is for smaller units, you're much more frequently taking casualties, um, at least one, right? What we've noticed is that a unit of like a 10-man unit of guard, like in that 10-man range, it actually is less punishing because let's say you took four or five casualties or whatever. A lot of the times if you failed that, you're getting, you're, you're taking, it's bad. Like you might lose the unit. Yeah. Whereas now you're going to lose one or two models. So for things like a 10-man unit of guard, it's not as bad as it was, right? But for a big unit of like 20 or 30 conscripts, um, I would argue that it's worse now. Um, because before you had a lot of ways to just, you know, avoid it. Yeah. Now you're going to be taking casualties pretty consistently. Um, and in, in my opinion, it's a little bit more punishing for elite units. If it's a really small unit, you're probably not going to be failing the morale check. But um, for like five or more, five to ten range elite units, it's going to be more punishing because when you do fail, um, you are take you are losing models. Yep. I think the only downside with it really is that you're rolling more dice than you were before. Yep. Um, but you're doing less math, so that's nice. Yeah. Your brain will hurt less. And it's like... You'll more free in my experience. You more frequently are losing models to morale, but you're not losing as many. Yeah, if that makes sense. Exactly. Well, like yeah. you were saying before, usually, if if you were playing against somebody, they'd be like, "All right, if I kill ten of your guys, now you're losing five models. There's only five guys left, so your unit's dead." Yeah. Now at least they have to kill more in order to guarantee that the unit's dead. And even um, then, there's no guarantee because exactly. it's only a one in six chance. Yeah. See, I did. It's a more moderate like approach to morale where it, it, it's in the game more, but it, it's not as punishing. Yeah. Um, and in the, in the article, they did talk about how commissars help to let you re-roll that roll, um, which is going to be valuable. Yeah, there'll be ways to mitigate. Like a lot of the rules that were in there before where you're like, when am I ever going to use this will now play a part because yeah. uh, morale will be more of a thing. And then, you know, things like night lords that at least currently impact your morale Things like that are going to be a little bit more useful because they're going to be um, they're going to impact elite units more, right? Because if you can get them to fail the check, one model guaranteed is gone. And if that's a Terminator or a Centurion, that's a bi- it's a big deal, right? Whereas before it was like it almost never came up. So it's interesting. It's a pretty significant change, and we'll be uh, I'll be curious to see how it impacts the game when the you know the wider community has got their hands on it and are playing it. Yeah. Um, and there's still one more really big change yet to be revealed. So we'll see. Hang on to your socks. Hang on to your biscuits. I've never heard that one. That was now, good. Now you have. <laughs> now I you didn't have. hear first. So another really big change that has been revealed, and I've been waiting for this one. They've been talking about it, but now they've kind of laid it bare. This is, this is what we do, is the strategic reserves rule. This is an extremely positive change in my opinion. Um, it helps to mitigate the alpha strike, which was a big, um, that was one of their main goals of ninth edition. Cause it was one of the biggest complaints of eighth edition and, uh, what it allows you to do. And they're still using good old power rating, power rating. God bless them. <laughs> <laughs> That's that unless like, we'll have to wait and see what all the power ratings get changed to. <laughs> but if this is the system that they're going off of, it's not going to help a lot. It's very, hopefully they adjust power ra- ratings. Cause power like my, ratings. My Tau Battlesuit unit, which I know everybody's going to be heartbroken that maybe I won't put it into reserve now, would cost me 5 CP to put into reserve. 
Well, that's going in reserve. Yeah, like, ouch. <laughs> yeah, it's hopefully power rating gets adjusted because um, uh, when the points got adjusted in chapter proof, power rating didn't. So a lot of times they're wildly not in alignment. Yeah. But you already know that the points are getting adjusted for ninth. You would assume uh, yeah. they do power rating at the same time. I hope so. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Diabolical Prankster says, be a leader. Don't be a follower. Go ahead and just reveal it. Good, good strategy. I'm sure that would go well for us. There you go. GW wouldn't mind at all. Um, so looking at the chart, you can see that the bigger the power, the higher the power rating of the unit you want to put into reserves, the more CP it costs to do, right? So for a normal unit, you're looking at like two CP or one, right? For a bigger unit, it could be up to five. I like how it says, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. What does that mean? <laughs> I guess it's only increments of tens. <laughs> I guess for every 10 CP, it goes up one. Or for every 10, 10 power rate, it goes up one CP. How um, much would a Warlord cost, guys? In the chat, go now. A Warlord Titan? Yeah, I don't know. It reminds me of the um, the King and I. You'd always say, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That was a good movie. Um, and then they, the, this is, the, so that part's pretty self-explanatory, right? The bigger the unit, the harder it is to reserve, whatever. That's cool. Um, and you can see because it is a little pricey, you can't do everything. Right, you have most people, are, most armies are going to be starting with twelve CP. In our experience, the default way to play the game is a single battalion in ninth edition, and I think everyone's starting to see why, why that is. Because um, when you're spending five CP to put a unit in reserve, you need every CP you can hold on to. And then characters that give you CP or things that give you CP are really valuable, because yeah. that's pretty much the only way to increase it. You do get a point per turn, so it's twelve plus however many turns the game is, um, but. You're, it's going to be difficult to put a ton of things in reserves. You're not going to do it very frequently. Well, you will, but not all with a bunch of units just randomly, right? You, you probably try and hide them. Um, but the, the big change, the change that makes it really exciting is the way strategic reserves has changed completely, right? Was before you came in on turn two or three and that was that. Uh, now you could come in on, on round one. Uh, no, you cannot. You could come in on your own table, which I think they talked about. About round one, no strategic reserves. Rule one, read the rules. Rule two. I think they talked about it in the article, but uh, all right, we'll just, who cares? I'm wrong. We'll look at this. Um, but you can start coming in on other deployment edges besides your own, right? And then they talk about how you have to come in within uh, more than nine inches away unless you come on from your own table edge. You can go right into combat and your enemy, the opponent can't overwatch you. Nice. Yeah. So what this, this is super cool because by battle round three, you can go on... Um, uh, so pulling within six inches of any battlefield edge, not the enemy battlefield edge. Um, so that wouldn't be any battlefield edge. Now, would it, GW? I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just an <laughs> idiot. Um, but it lets you come in on other edges. Like, you can outflank, basically. Yep. Um, and then on round two, you can come in uh, six inches of any battlefield edge, not the enemy battlefield edge or their deployment zone. But in battle round three, you can come into their deployment zone from the sides. Yep. Right? That's That was what I was trying to say. And then I thought I... Goofed You're it. all over the place. I am. Just read the rules that are in front of you, Reese. I don't know if I'm capable of that, Frankie. But basically what it allows you to do is you can come in. It's very flexible, and it's really exciting. Like, you can come in from all over the place. You can bring in an important unit from a table edge. Um, you can run onto an objective. It's, it's, it's very flexible, and it really makes a more dynamic and strategic um, game, even for armies that traditionally didn't have the ability to do this. Yeah. So, sorry if I confuse anybody with my yeah, strange just, just read the rules, guys. 
It's right there on black and white. I don't know what I was talking and about. And you can't go within nine inches of an enemy just like normal. So Unless you're coming from your own table edge. It uh, didn't say that, but... It, it did in the article. Okay. Yeah. Then you can go in, you can go in and ignore Overwatch. Cool. Yeah. Look out, sir. I'm not even going to attempt to read this because it's a little convoluted, but um, basically the way Lookout Sir works in 9th edition is that you have to be within range of multiple models and you have to be within a certain distance in order for them to block you from getting shot. That's it. So it's more restrictive. It's harder to screen characters than it was. And what we've seen in practice is that if you, if you go for it, it's actually not that challenging to go assassinate your opponent's characters because it's a lot easier to get to them than it was, right? The models that are screening them have to be relatively close to them. There has to be a certain number of them, um, or they have to be a vehicle or a monster. And um, if you position correctly and with a little practice, you can basically like War Machine go on an assassination run, take out the characters, and typically speaking, most armies in this in ninth edition have less characters, significantly less than you did in eighth, because in eighth you were taking two or more battalions. Yeah. Now you're taking like one. So you're, you're going to have like three characters usually. Um, and you have less units in general because the points are going up. So that's going to be really important in the way you play the game in ninth is to re really have to think about how you protect your characters because they're not nearly as safe as they used to be. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll, <clears throat> it's going to change a lot on the way that you play. Like your positioning of your models will change and then also... Um, going after your enemy uh, characters is going to be really important to take out those auras. Yeah, you need to be really mindful of that because in practice we saw opportunities arise where you could go like, oh, I can definitely get to your characters and then you just go on a run, smoke them, even if you have to sacrifice a couple of your units and when you take away the aura buffs and everything else, it can be devastating. Yeah. So tactically it's really interesting but it's going to take some adjustment. Uh, they also showed off one of the one of the most important new stratagems. Um, this is a the very this is a very very impactful stratagem. It's called Desperate Breakouts Two CP. Uh, use this stratagem in your movement phase. Select one unit from your army that has not been selected to move. Blah blah blah. You roll a D six for each model in that unit for each result of one mod one model unit is destroyed. Assuming that that unit was not destroyed, it can now attempt to fall back. And when doing so, its models can be moved through enemy models as if they were not there. Any model in that unit that ends its fallback move, blah, blah, blah. Basically, you can, even if someone's tri-pointed you, which that, there hasn't been a revealed yet, but that's very different now too, um, in ninth edition, you can still get out of combat. Yep. So and if you end an engagement when you do that move, whatever models are engaged, uh, die. Yeah. So... This is what we've been saying the whole time with ninth. Melee is so different in ninth. There's so many little and big changes. Like this is obviously a fairly big change that melee is like completely different in ninth edition. In some ways it got a lot better. Obviously with no overwatch, um, a smaller table, I think you could argue that it, it, it benefits melee armies. Um, but you, then now there's things like this where one of the core tactics of eighth edition was to try point was to engage units and then hold them in combat. Now it's dramatically more difficult to do. And there's still more to be seen that, that, change, that changes that further. So it's going to be, for melee armies, it's just, it's a different game. Like, what, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's going to be very different. Um, 
it's going to be harder to stay engaged. Um, I think you're going to see MSU close combat units, um, yeah. just little five mans, uh, because then they can actually kill a unit or if they get close to killing it, if they use desperate breakout, um, they'll die when they leave combat. And then your five man unit, it's not a big deal if you lose it. So Yeah, uh, I agree. I think you use little fire and forget melee units. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the core strategies that you use with bigger melee units that involve model positioning and wrapping things up, now you have to wrap two units to make it matter. Yeah. Because otherwise, if you just wrap one, that unit's going to bail and then you're going to get smoked. So I think what you'll see is like five-man unit of berserkers, like they said in the Chaos Faction Focus article, um, you know, like smaller units of really powerful melee models that are relatively cheap. So that you just shoot them at something, disrupt your opponent, do as much damage as possible, and then you, usually you're going to die afterwards because yeah. it's really it's so much harder to, to keep things locked up. Um, and, th and this was done on purpose, whether you agree with it or not. The game devs didn't think that was the way that they wanted the game to play. Yep. And th thus we see things like this where you can walk through models to get out of combat. Um, so it, it's a big. This is a big strat, right? The one that they showed previously where. When people try to leave combat, you can hurt them. Like now it's starting to make sense. There's all this different stuff you can do. Yeah. Um, but this one is, Desperate Breakout's a big one. It, it really changes the way people are used to playing the game from eight. Yep. Um, all right, let's take another look at another one. Engage on all fronts. This is a progressive objective. Um, out of context, it's kind of, it doesn't mean a lot, but it's giving you an idea of the flavor of the missions. You score two victory points at the end of your turn if you have one or more units uh, from your army wholly within three different table quarters. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. It's table quarters, a la yeah. the way we did it in the ITC. is very similar. Uh, score three victory points uh, within six inches. Score three victory points instead if you have one or more units uh, wholly within each table quarter and more than six inches from the center of the battlefield. So it gives you kind of an idea of what you're going to get with the, progress the selectable progressive missions. And a lot of them are, you're going to be very used to if you played, you know, most tournament formats uh, uh, beforehand. Yeah. Uh, another one, uh, very interesting. This is a really cool change, dense cover. Uh, kind of a lengthy explanation, but basically it gives you minus one to be hit. Um, really cool. This was in the Tyranid Faction Focus article that Danny wrote, one of the LVO judges. And um, I like this one a lot. And remember, terrain can have multiple keywords, right? So yeah. a terrain piece can be light cover, heavy cover, dense cover, right? Like you can give it the whole shebang. Um, so a unit in it can have plus one save, a plus one save in melee, and minus one to be hit. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it really changes the way the game's played. And uh, it's nice because even if the table doesn't look like it has a ton of terrain, you can give them all these keywords and it'll play like a table that's covered with terrain, so. And like, one of the cool things that these do is like, I know I've seen a lot of people online talking about it, is that it makes things like forests actually like meaningful, right? Because you can give a forest dense cover, you can give it obscured 
um, so that you can't see through it yeah. unless it's a flyer or a Titan. Um, things that are in it are minus one to be hit. You can also get a cover safe. If you're behind it, you can be completely out of line of sight. It just it makes a lot more terrain um, pieces actually have a purpose on the tabletop. Yeah, well, whereas, it allows you to do cool things with your terrain too. Yeah. Like you can do all sorts of cool things. You can actually make forests that make sense now. They block line of sight, all that stuff. So. Yeah. It's, I, it, the, the terrain rules are just way mu – they're much better. There's, there's going to be some things that I've already seen people pointing out like, well, you know, the way we do it now in modified terrain rules like in the ITC is different from what – you know, it's not like copy-paste. But compared to what's in the rule book from 8th to 9th, it's a dramatic improvement. Yeah. I really like it. Uh, Akimoto Okoto in the chat asks if we can give us a rundown of all the terrain traits. Can't. Sorry. Uh, we can only talk about what's already been revealed. Um, and there's quite a few comments in there saying that they actually think some of these new missions look better than what we're doing now. Like the new one looks better than recon. That's great. I'm glad because that's yeah. what we're going to be using. <laughs> so I hope you like them. Yeah. Uh, let's take a look at, uh, oh, and then they further um, break down dense terrain. So subtract one from hit rolls made for ranged weapons if uh, the terrain piece is at least reaches tall. Uh, does not apply to any models that are only shooting through their own terrain feature. That's an old rule from 4th edition, where if you were in area terrain and you were shooting out of it, you didn't give area terrain to what you were shooting at. Yeah. I'm glad they did that. And then, of course, it doesn't apply to aircraft or uh, Titan, Titanic units, basically. 18 plus moon models. So, yeah, it's, I like it a lot. And the, my only critique with the new terrain traits is that often terrain pieces will have like three to five traits. It can be a little intimidating at first, but once you get used to it and everyone's using the same ones, it, it won't be that bad. Yeah. Like we said, I think most events uh, will be using probably the same traits on all their terrain. So. Yeah. And like what I think, what we believe will happen is that Tournaments will kind of agree on, okay, this is how we treat ruins, this is how we treat hills, this is how we treat forests, and everyone will do the same thing, more or less. Of course, you don't have to, but it just makes it easy. Yeah. Because then you don't have to try and remember everything. I know people are like, oh, you should make tokens for all the terrain traits. I was like, the table would be covered with tokens. <laughs> I mean, that'd be, I don't, don't mind selling them, of course, but um, that would be like, there'd be like 30, 20 to 30 tokens on the table. I don't yeah. even know if it would help. It's it readable. Um, Alex Holly, what's up, buddy? And the chat says, Ninth is going to feel very fresh. Looking forward to seeing the whole rule set. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you, Stanier, for the for the emote. Twitch has changed. I don't, we're, in, we're in new territory here, Frankie. I don't know what's going on. There's always like flashing lights and messages popping up in our chat. Uh, Frankie, can you give us a breakdown on the progression of Reese's Mountain Man? <laughs> Ooh, it's been a, it's been a rough go. Um, you have to talk to his missus more about that. She is in full support she, of. She you loves it, it. I think. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I think everybody's in full support of that, eh, except for Reese. Eh, eh. Uh, they need to do more strategic articles in the future, says uh, Akimoto. Yeah, I agree. They're really fun. Yeah. Um, so base to base is the standard for reference for measuring and checking line of sight in ninth ed. Uh, I believe they've already talked about that. They've talked about it a few times. Yeah. But... It's basically the same. Yeah. Um, but the terrain rules have changed, which is the big one. So, all right, everybody, we'll move on and then we'll hit, uh, we'll answer some more questions at the end of the cast. Um, bah, bah, bah. Cool. Stiff Neck Studios makes a funny comment. He says the, the empty section for my home 6x4 table. We'll have terrain reference sheets. I'm go. seeing it as necessary for a while. Yeah. Use that extra space. 
Uh, GW also showed us what's coming up in the new Psychic Awakening finale book, which is going to feature Inquisition, Necrons, all kinds of cool stuff. And the models that we're seeing are absolutely yeah. phenomenal. The new uh, Illuminar Caesaris is one of the coolest so models cool. I've ever seen. Yeah, so amazing. He's like flaying a dude. and So much better than his old model. Gosh. Is it though? Yes. Like, <laughs> he's not even close. It's going to be funny if you have like a Necron Lord or something like right next to him. You're like, yeah, they'll get an upgrade eventually maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's an amazing model. Yeah. And in the chat they were asking – if the conversion kits, the conversion sets were coming out, if they're going to have neoprene and cloth on the top, yes, they yep. will. Yeah, It'll be the same material as the mat itself. Yep. You just lay them on your mat and it shrinks the play size. Uh, and then it gives you like extra area for setting down models and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, and then we also got to see a new Sister of Battle. Um, I can't, she's famous from old books. I can't remember the Demonitron or something like that. <laughs> I, I can't remember. It's, I'm wrong, but it's something like that. She has a Harlequin uh, bodyguard, a.k.a. Buddy. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Demonic Fuse, something like that. Um, and then we get to see the new Inquisitor, uh, Kyria Draxus. Ooh. And I do love the model. It is pretty cool. Yeah. Like his power fist. She has a... Actually, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, she has a power fist, a little <clears throat> familiar uh, shuriken catapult. It's a little Drake. Yeah, his name is... Uh, what is his name? Well, Shang. Yes. Shang. Shang. <laughs> so we'll take a look at the rules that they published. Um, the Inquisitor has standard Inquisitor stat lines with five wounds. Nothing special there. Four attacks. Uh, talked about the... Weapon. Can't even read that. 18-inch uh, range, assault two, strength four, two, it's shirt and catapult. Two damage. Two damage, shirt and catapult. That's pretty good. Not bad. Uh, she has paralysis gr grenades. Ooh. And if this model made a charge, move this turn, you can select one enemy unit that is within one inch. Until the end of the phase, the enemy unit cannot be selected to fight until everybody else has. Very good. That's always super useful. Yeah. Shang, uh, when this model manifests a smite psychic power, you can select one enemy unit within 18 inches invisible to this model to be affected instead of the closest enemy unit. Directed smite, always super good. Super good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they talk about some of the uh, benefits, some of the various rules that you get in this for Inquisitors. Uh, an Ordo Minoris, when resolving an attack made by model in this unit against a character, you can reroll. Hit and wound rolls, obviously always good. Uh, Puritan, Warlord trait, improves this Warlord's uh, invulnerable save by one. Obviously amazing. Uh, Ordeal Malleus, Warding Incantation. These are some of the psychic powers that you get for the different Ordos. Uh, Warp Charge value is six. Select one Imperium Infantry or Biker unit within 12, and you get a five up invulnerable save. Pretty good. Super good. And then the Ignis Judicum. It's a relic for the Ordo Hereticus. A model equipped this and uh, replaces an Inferno pistol. It's 12-inch range, pistol 1, strength 8, AP 4, D6, damage. When resolving an attack made by... Um, with a melt again. Against Chaos or Psyker, roll 2D6. Get it. Take the highest. Take Boom. that, Chaos. Boom. So it's a pretty cool pistol. Yeah. All right, then we got uh, Stratagem, 1 CP, Alpha Class, Psyker. Uh, before the battle, select one Psyker Inquisitor model from your army. This model knows one additional psychic power and can attempt to deny one additional psychic power in your opponent's psychic phase. Really yeah. Like if you could use this on someone like um, Greyfax, then she can deny like what, three or four powers? She can deny maybe three? I think she already does three, if I remember correctly. Hmm. It's really good. Yeah. Clandestine operation, use a stratagem during uh, deployment. Select one Infantry Inquisitor unit and up to one Acolyte, up to one Demonos, and up to one Space Monkey Jokero. 
Uh, and then they can be set up anywhere on the table, more than nine inches away. Deep strike. It's pretty fun. Not bad. Ooh. It's going to bring a lot of flavor to the Inquisition. You're getting all kinds, like, as you can see, you're getting all kinds of fun, like, sub-faction rules and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It'll make them interesting. Indeed. All right, the Las Vegas Open 2021 registration. We're planning Ooh. on getting it open on June 29th, so not too long from now. Make sure to mark your calendar. Try to get registration open in the morning. It's a little chaotic right now just because of everything that's going on in the world and trying to coordinate everything and communicate with everybody. A lot of people are, uh, you know, th th life has been disrupted a little bit. Yeah. So <clears throat> the, that's the goal, and we're hoping that we can pull that off. I think we can. So plan on being able to pick up your tickets on June 29th. If early registration is any indicator, it's going to go really, really fast. It's go fast. Which we didn't know what to expect because of everything that's going on in the world right now. But we had the early registration went the fastest it's ever gone. For those of you who are like, what's early registration? If you buy a high roller package, you get early registration. Yep. It's one of the benefits. So uh, we would recommend if you plan on coming, um, don't you don't want to hesitate. Um, want to grab those tickets? It might sell out. I don't know. It's really hard to predict what's going to happen this year. Yeah, because we sold out last year. In a so. day. Yeah. For, for the 40K champs yep. and a lot of other events. Um, and uh, Tony Fauci did say that he's cautiously optimistic that there will be a vaccine for the Rona by the end of 2020. Hopefully. That'd be great. No idea, but that would be wonderful because it would alleviate a lot of people's anxiety. Yeah. Um, save a lot of lives, obviously. That's the most important part. So we'll see what happens, but, you know, fingers crossed. Yep. Fingers crossed. How popular is Age of Sigmar in general warp spider or at the lvo i think it means at the lvo it's it's the <clears throat> i it's the biggest isn't it the biggest age of sigma event in the country i think it is uh i don't know if it's the biggest but i think it's one of the biggest for yeah sure. it's one of the biggest in the in the okay. world um i think it's the biggest in north america oh no you know i think adepticon was just a little bit bigger yeah yeah, I'm pretty sure Adepticon. Adepticon was like a little bit, they were very close. And I think yeah. Adepticon was a little bit bigger. So it's one of the biggest. Yeah. A uh, ton of fun. And then the TO, Scott is a great guy. We also have a, a Age of Sigmar narrative tournament and a doubles event. So there's a lot to choose from, uh, depending on what your, what your flavor is. <laughs> there you go. All right. Consider supporting the ITC Patreon if you like what it's about. It's added to your hobby experience. You want to see it continue to thrive and jive and... Chive, survive. Ooh, there you go. I don't know. Imbibe. I don't know. Um, How long can Reese go with it? I don't know. Not very long. That's it. I'm not that clever. You can do so for as little as a dollar a month, and all of the money goes back into the ITC. The majority of it goes towards paying for server space, um, just maintenance stuff. It's, it's expensive to keep it going. So if you want to support it, that'd be wonderful. We'd really appreciate it. Yep. And we will start reporting on ITC stuff again here pretty soon. We've just been not doing it for obvious reasons. But um, events are starting to happen around the world again. Yep. So we'll start covering them again. And Ray Moore, yes, it is at the same venue this year. Yeah. This is the last year that it will be at Bally's, by the way. Yep. 2022, it's going to a significantly snazzier and larger Ooh. venue. Very excited for that. Check out these amazing commissions that have been recently painted by the FLG Paint Studio. It's still, still going. We're painting through the quarantine, even though we're not truly in quarantine anymore. Yeah. Uh, this avatar is absolutely stunning and uh, really, really, really like the way it came out. Alternative color scheme. Very cool. And we've got a couple Necron units. 
a Storm Talon and an AVP model, which is all yeah. pretty cool. If you want to see some of those pictures, head on over to the FLG Paint Studio, or excuse me, FLGPaintStudio.com. You can see a wide variety of what we've painted. And if you want to get some models painted up because you couldn't get motivated to do it during quarantine, which means you will never paint your models, accept it. Ever. Just paint us, pay us to paint them for you. <laughs> and we'll do that. All right, let's answer some questions. Uh, Akimoto, it's Bally. Oh, for 2022, we'll keep it. We'll reveal that as time, as time, when the time is right. But I will say that the new venue for 2022 and on is so awesome. Right? Like, the way it's set up and it's just, it's so good for what we do. Yep. Bally's is great. Um, but this, everything is in one spot. The main, the main hall is 50% bigger than the main hall at the LVO. Um, it's it's going to be very exciting. And it has, I will say this, it has a full blast stage. Like you could have a play, like a Shakespearean drama. It could be done on, acted out on the stage. And the stage has a huge uh, screen that you can project things on. So the idea is, is that when we get to that point, like the championship games we played, like not on a jumbotron, but you know, somewhat similar to that. So imagine that when you're playing that game and then you're being projected up on the stage in you know, giant, you know, uh, yeah. like a movie screen, movie theater screen. And then Reese will be performing a Hamlet while everybody's playing as well. Yes, indeed. By himself. Indeed, I'm a, more of a be pretty King good. Henry the Fourth guy. <laughs> Hamlet's pretty good too. I'd rather do Macbeth than Hamlet. Yeah, Hamlet's about a guy I think that Macbeth has is better. But. Massive anxiety and then like doesn't do anything and just worries about everything. Yeah, I just I figured it was you're more relatable to. <laughs> Hamlet then. Then Mac, the Macbeth, a murderous creature that goes crazy. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, all right, let's see if we can answer some questions. Uh, Big Nasty Nasto. Yes, we still are on the strip for 2022 and beyond. Just a different, a different uh, casino. Uh, I hope it's not, it's a lot close to a casino. Uh, uh, well, it's still in a yeah. casino, but there's no smoking in the convention area. Akimoto. Unfortunately, Vegas, pretty much every bar and area have smoking. So. Yeah, it's just a part of the culture here in Nevada. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, how much will the Rhino Imperative Interpretive Dance Experience tickets be? Ooh, those are uh, <laughs> going for twenty bucks. That is going to be a highlight. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I'm picturing it now, and it's, it's going to be the it's Rhino. Amazing. Doing an interpretive dance of what he believes it yeah. means to be a rhino. With one of those sticks with like a, a like a ribbon on the end of it. <laughs> like ribbon dancing. Yeah. It's going to be amazing, dude. Oh, I, Pablo, that's that's happening. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're ready for that. It's uh, already been done. Da, 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 da. How was summer in Vegas? Um, um, it was it's hot. It was 108 <laughs> degrees yesterday. Yeah, it's warm. <laughs> so it gets up to like 115 at the peak of the summer. It's, it's really warm. It's yeah. definitely, if you're not used to it, it's could be uncomfortable, but you spend a lot of time indoors in the summertime. Um, and the nights are really nice. Yeah. Like it, it's, um, at night it's like, they're nice, cool hundred, you know, it's great. It's actually kind of nice. Like when you have the warm nights, um, where I was born, that was, we had the come hot summer nights and yeah. it was like 80 at night. It'd be great once my pool is open again. Like, yeah, if the pools on. were open, it It'd would be, be perfect. Yeah. No big deal. Because you get home from work, you just yeah, go jump in the pool. Just jump in the pool. 
we'll just be leading nature experience hikes around the casinos. Um, that would be pretty funny too, actually. No, but you could go to the Grand Canyon. It's really close. Yeah. Like if you want to take a trip out to the, see the Grand Canyon when you're here for the LVO, you totally could. Yeah. Um, is there any chance LVO won't go off for the second wave? I have, I don't we have no, no idea. idea. JD Esquire. I mean, that that's obviously yeah. it's it's possible, but um, I don't I don't know. Um, yeah. Nevada is like did, was really lightly impacted, and they're really pushing to um, get everything back to normal. So I assume that we're going to be fine. We're acting as if everything is going to be fine because we have to. Yeah, and really and truly, just for the world's sake, we're hoping that there's not a second wave. So. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we don't. We don't know. I, I th- my 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 uneducated guess is that by then we should be good to go. Yeah. But we'll roll with the punches. Uh, how's life in Boulder compared to Cali? I like it here a lot. Frankie lives in Henderson, and um, I'll let you talk about that. But Boulder City is it's a small town. I like it. Everyone's really friendly. Um, it's a really strong sense of community. There's like no crime here. It's not crawling with bums like. California is in the cities and uh, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. There's lots of nature stuff to do. Um, there's enough like nightlife and stuff like that, that like if you ever want to go bowling or go to a restaurant or go see a movie or whatever, you can do all of that. And you just, I can, you can walk. Like I, I don't barely ever drive um, anymore. So I, I like it a lot. I really like the people here. Yeah. Uh, Henderson's really nice. It's, uh, it's like a younger city. It's uh much larger than Boulder City. Um, and it's like 15 minutes, or we live 10 minutes from the Strip. So it's really nice to be able to go down to the Strip and have some drinks and hang out with friends and stuff like that. And then I live like 15 minutes from work. So I'm like right in the middle of both. Um, and I really like it. So far, everybody we've met in Henderson are super nice, uh, nice area. And yeah, I have no complaints. So. No. I like it a lot. Yeah. And of course the cost of living is way lower than California and like, like pretty much everywhere else in the world. Yeah. Um, and then the no income tax is really nice. It's like you get a, you basically get a raise just by living here. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, from, I don't know what is every state's different, but California has really high state income tax. So that's, that's really nice. The financial part's great. Um, and in general, I, I'm really happy here. Yeah. The, the weather is not as nice, but you know, San Diego is, I, I would argue the best weather in the world. So no matter where you go from there, it's going to be a big change. Yeah. Um, but Boulder City also has a lake. There's a yeah. lake in Vegas. Yeah, it was, and it's nice too. Like yeah. we haven't had a chance to do it, but we want to go like rent like a boat and have the people in the company go out, drink some beer, go out on the water. Obviously, the driver's not drinking, but um, you know, just go enjoy the lake. And yeah. if you like outdoor stuff, you can go like dirt biking, mountain climbing, mountain biking, uh, and all that stuff's super fun. Uh, what will our mask policy be for SoCal Open? I can't, their name's blue, so I can't really read that. It says Bladewing. Uh, we're going to follow whatever the uh, guidelines are for that time, because that's going to be an end of October. Yeah. So right now, California has a, a mandatory mask policy for certain situations. Yep. So whatever it is at that point in time, that's what it will be for us. We're just going to follow the, the experts' guidelines. And then if at all possible, we'll have... Uh, masks and hand sanitizer we're working on that we'll have it there for people to purchase you know cheaply um so that if anybody wants to be extra cautious we'll help enable that to be possible yeah that's our plan right now we're working on finding a supplier for it 
The burger place in Boulder is so good. Oh man, that's somebody who knows what they're talking about. Tomodachi Express, yeah, there's this place called the Dillinger. It has, I, I, I've literally never been able to finish one. They're so gigantic, real beef. Um, and they have $1 PBRs on Wednesday. Of course it's PBR. Dude, $1 beers, and then the burgers are gigantic, and they're really good. We usually, we go often on Wednesdays. That's very good. Nice. And the bowling is like $5 per whatever you call it set. Small town. It's great. I love it. All right. I don't care. I think anybody wants to hear us prattle on about what it's like living in Nevada any longer, but I'm glad. Thank you for asking. I hope we can satisfy some of your curiosity. Thanks for joining us for episode 690 of Signals from the Frontline. Make sure to tune in to the rest of the Frontline Gaming Podcast Network. Listen to what the Rhino and Co. and the Art of War have to say. They're talking about all this cool stuff, too. And if you're watching us on YouTube, like, subscribe, you know, all that stuff, if you want to. Until next week, happy gaming, and we'll talk to you then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>